to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. You know, we were talking, and you preached a lot about this. Oh, thanks, Terry. You talked a lot about this at the uh, camp meeting, and of course, you've been preaching about it for, you know, 44 years, but miracles really, in the Bible, the Bible said that the Many people believed on Jesus' name when they saw the miracles which he did, John chapter 2. And um, who, who do you think it was that coined the phrase, uh, miracles are the dinner bell for the unsaved of His the name was Raymond T. Ritchie. He pastored in Houston, Texas, evangelistic tabernacle, later temple. He was uh, a great man of God used in... Uh, healings and miracles uh, uh, in the voice of healing uh, in the 40s after World War II. And in fact, my dad, your grandfather, was asked if he would take that church back in the 70s. Dad didn't feel to do it, but it's a very well-known ministry. Something just fell off here. I I hope it wasn't my leg, but anyhow... (laughs) It was my microphone. Anyhow, son, it was uh, Raymond T. Ritchie. He had a book, and I have a copy in my library. And he, one of the phrases in one of the chapters, miracles are the dinner bell that God rings to bring people to the table. And that's, and that's, and that's where he, basically he was referencing that point that it's a, it's a proof or a sign that Jesus is alive. And in that chapter, he was dealing with Healing is the children's bread. Mm -hmm. And the woman asked for a crumb. And there was a miracle in the crumb for her. Because you remember, she said, Lord, my daughter's grievously vexed, tormented of the devil. Jesus said, it's not meat for me to give. (laughs) The children's bread, the dogs, Mm -hmm. called her a dog. Or in other words, she was not of the Jewish faith. Right. And... uh, she said, truth, Lord. She didn't give up. She said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs from, whew, man, the master's table. If I had a song right now, you remember James McCurdy that worked with Rodney Howard Brown? Yep. He used to sing that song about crumbs. Mm-hmm. The miracle is in the crumbs. Kellyanne, she said, what is the book? You can't get it anyhow. It's not even in print. <laughs> it's out of print now? Oh, I think he may have printed a thousand of them back really? in the 40s. And the copyright said that. And like so much of our great Pentecostal heritage, books and writings, they weren't kept. They weren't archived, hmm. uh, unfortunately. But I was in a, a pastor's study. And that book had been there from the previous pastors. And I saw it. And the name of the book was What Hath God Wrought? What Hath God Wrought? You could check it out. Maybe someone's put it up on Amazon or somewhere. But if not, we should reprint it. Actually, I, I, I've recopyrighted it. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm going to come out with a series of Voice of Healings bo books where people didn't have the copyrights. Yeah, that's important to do. I mean, it's one of the things that... Which means it's public dominion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. There was, Hello, there was like Brian. a law passed in the early 70s that if you didn't um, copyright your books before like 1968, it fell into public, public domain. Public domain. So a lot of those books have, and now sometimes there's websites now that offer PDFs uh, so you might be able to do a search. There, there's uh, websites offering people's books like Brother Allen and others that are public domain. There's Phil Hutchings on. What's up, Phil? Is he in prison or no? No, he's actually free oh, now. Oh, no, that yeah. was another that preacher one? he posted about, oh, yeah. I remember. Yeah. In Canada, they arrested a pastor for having church in handcuffs. Took him out, said he can't see his wife or children. Mm -hmm. uh, just I north saw of that. us. You've heard of it, Communist yep. Canada. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> but the point you were making earlier. She <clears throat> said it is on Amazon. Oh, good. Good. That's awesome. Miracles are a sign to the unbeliever that Jesus is alive. One thing we were talking about yesterday, Christians should not have to see miracles to believe in Jesus or to, you know, literally have faith in Christ. The Bible says that the just shall live by faith. But for the unbeliever, signs and wonders are proof that Jesus is alive. In fact, when John's disciples came to see Jesus and wondered if he was the Messiah or if they should be waiting for somebody else, Jesus said, go tell John the things you've seen and heard. And then pointed to his healing miracles as the proof that he was the son of God. And um, that proving that the devil can't do these things. You, you wrote a book years ago, Can the Devil Heal? Because there's um, so many in other denominations that actually try to claim when you see healing miracles today or whatever, that's the de devil doing that as a deception to trick the children of God. But one thing that easily debunks that, if the devil could do those things, then Jesus would have had no right to point to his healing miracles as the proof that he was the Messiah. It would have not been a defining characteristic of the fact that he was the son of God. But sadly, it seems like, which is why we're doing this broadcast today, it seems like many churches, many ministers have kind of fallen away from um, miracle ministry. It's not emphasized like it used to be emphasized. It's not preached on like it used to be preached on. Uh, there were, you feel like when you were uh, coming up, there were many, many more ministers that were operating in miracle signs and wonders? Well... I do. There, there are hindrances to God's spirit moving. And if we can identify those hindrances and then help people and remove these roadblocks. Brother Hagen wrote a book years ago, Roadblocks to Healing. But we could say that about the miraculous. And um, part of it is... And if you don't mind, I'd like to just start with this thought. Mm -hmm. In Galatians uh, chapter uh, 3, verse 5, I don't know if you do lower thirds, but r read that, son, because he has the English Standard Version. I like the way it says it. He that, therefore, that ministers to yeah. you and so forth. So in Galatians 3, 5, the, the Bible says, Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you. All right, so we're talking about someone that operates in the spirit and is 
operating in the working of miracles, one of the nine gifts of the Spirit. Amen. Right. That's Galatians 3, 5. Yeah, you can put it in the comments. It says, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? So here there's a, a difference. Uh, I start to say differentiating here. Mm -hmm. Difference mm -hmm. between what we would call the, the law or the letter of the law that the Bible refers to. Uh, the letter killeth, but the spirit makes alive. So on one hand, you have the faith of God's word. The other hand, you have the death of man's word or the letter of the law. The law, the Pharisees added to it. It was called the Pharisaical fence. They figured that if you kept all these things they made up, you wouldn't break the actual law. And Jesus said concerning that, you've made the word of God to none effect or so that it won't work. Who? Religious people, leaders, spiritual leaders. You've made the word of God so it doesn't work. He said you're filled with dead men's bones. You're like sepulchers. So understanding. Now, in the United States, we had two great awakening sons. The first one, in 1741 in particular, God used a man named George Whitfield. Before that, and then even after, there was a man in the colonies named Jonathan Edwards. You had two doctrines operating, and yet God moved anyhow. Edwards was given over to Calvinism, as much of, of early New England was much of New England was. Whitfield comes over from England, but he begins to preach what later we would call Arminianism, which was an unlimited atonement. You remember Calvinism, the, the key word tulip right. for the five main points of Calvinism. I yep. remember that from Bible school. Mm -hmm. But Edwards and even, uh, well, different ones, they would teach. I don't want to get into all their names they would teach that there was a limited atonement. God had already selected certain people. Now, what Calvin did, he sold out the gospel to protect the government of England, in particular, the divine right of kings. So he put that all together so that he could work with the king of England to protect him in all that he did. This is why, just like oil and water doesn't mix, neither does politics and the gospel. It'll change. You see, politics has never changed a soul, but the gospel has. And I think, especially in our country, people are waking up to the fact that they went the wrong way for some years and they idolize politics and leadership, and maybe in other countries, I don't know. I'm not saying that they have, but this last awakening is going to be a shift. And the shift is going to bring us back to the word of God. In other words, whatever God has said, he'll bring it to pass. If he spoke it, he's got to do it. 
God honors his word above his name. And so when I preach, you know, one time I had a guy say, he said to me, he said, you use too much word. That's like saying a woman is too pregnant. Either you're pregnant or you're not pregnant. Either you're filled with the word of God or you're not filled with the word of God. And so this is the challenge. And one of the big hindrances is this area that we're talking about, which I believe is very, very important. And that is doctrine or how we preach the word. My son read that from Galatians 3 and 5. How does the, the operation of miracles work? Does it do it by the letter of the law, by the law, or by the hearing of faith? Well, Paul said in Romans, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You have to preach the word to build faith for the miraculous. Anything else is nothing more than a form of godliness. It is the letter, the letter of the law, see. And so, um, and you know more about this than I do, but things go in cycles, circles. And now in this day, I know some, some, not all, some of the younger ministers that are writing and speaking, they're going back into Calvinism. They're going back into that area that hinders the operation of the working of miracles. Now, historically, when George Whitfield came in the first awakening, he was like a breath of fresh air to the colonies. And he preached from the, what was called then the Massachusetts Bay Colony all the way down to Georgia, where he built an orphanage. He was only here about 14 months. But when he left, when Whitfield left the colonies, they said about 80% of the colonies had taken on Whitfield's experience. Mm -hmm. And his main key verse was, marvel not that I said to you, you must be born again in John's gospel. That was his message. Edwards, sinners in the hands of an angry God. See, trying to scare the hell out of people, the devil out of them, scare it. But you see, faith always works. And as powerful as Jonathan Edwards' ministry was, and it was powerful. Mm -hmm. There became a divergence between Calvinism and Arminianism in the early formation of our nation, the United States. Well, when the second great awakening hit, Jeremiah Lamphere took that church on Fulton Street in New York City power of God began to move after the collapse of the financial system, which I believe will be one of the keys of this third great awakening. And that is something's going to happen to the money. James chapter five, go to now you rich men, weep and howl for your riches have become cankered, your silver, your gold corrupted. And the Bible says that the working man, the laborer cries out to God, because they're keeping back our money by fraud, see. And then the Bible says it enters into the Lord, the ears of the Lord of uh, the Sabbath of the harvest. And the Bible says he's going to bring a rain, an outpouring, former and latter rain. And so the last great move of God in the latter times, part of this third great awakening, will be God's going to knock the props out of politics. 
He's knocking the props from under the economy. He's knocking the props out from Hollywood and all those perverts that have filled the airwaves. He's knocking the props out of sports. Anything that becomes your God. See, it has to be removed so that there's only one God. And through Jesus Christ, we're going to see a move of the Spirit. So, son, one of the hindrances obviously would have to be false uh, teaching or doctrine. Yeah, absolutely. And you have to differentiate. I gave you a quick summary. But in our nation, there has been that divergence. And many of our friends in another denomination are so strong in Calvinism. You look at their churches. You look at their ministry. There are no signs, no wonders, no miracles. Right. And as a matter of fact, many of them would say that if you believe in signs and wonders and miracles and speaking in tongues, you're demon possessed. Right. That's the opposite extreme of what Jesus taught when he said, these signs shall follow them that believe. So the fact they fight it means they're not even true believers. Mm -hmm. That hindrance to the supernatural has robbed them of their soul's salvation. Years ago, I was invited by a, a dear Baptist preacher in Virginia Beach. I used to play football, and one of the coaches where I played football in Pennsylvania had moved to Virginia, and then later my dad went down and took a church, and he knew we were there, and he was going to a Baptist church, my old coach, and he said, Man, he said, I hear God really uses you to pray for people. Maybe you could come to our church and hold a revival. It was right there off of uh, um, Indian River Road in Virginia Beach, mm -hmm. the church. Well, I drove up to meet the pastor. Very nice man. His first name was Sonny. Didn't mean he was bright, but that was his name, Sonny. <laughs> but he was bright, very intelligent man. Well, I'll never forget. He said to me, I'd like to do a tent meeting and get people saved. I said, oh, me too. Because in my heart, I wanted to do tents. He said, but we have two issues we got to deal with. I said, what's that? He said, one, if we lay hands on the sick, he said, as the pastor, I'm going to do that. I said, okay. Now I knew that the Bible says that anyone can lay hands on the sick. Any believer can. But out of respect for his ministry gift, I said, sure. I said, I'll preach faith and then you lay hands on him. Said the second thing, there'll be no tongues. Now I knew he went to Liberty University, which at that time was a hotbed of um, anti-supernaturalism. I hate to say it, but it was true. And, but that's fine. They, they had a good solid word for salvation and I can fellowship with anybody uh, through the blood of Jesus Christ. We, we all should be that way. But that doesn't mean that everybody is doing the same thing, see. And so uh, he said, uh, there'll be no tongues. I said, Brother Sonny, do you believe that someone that speaks in tongues is demon possessed? Well, I knew they taught that at Liberty. My friend used to be the bodyguard for the president of the school. And I, I, I grew up around him, Brother Lynn Sandy. Well... Uh, I knew what Len said <laughs> and told me. And I said, you believe that, Brother Son? He said, oh, yeah. I said, uh, do you believe as a, a 
man of God, you can cast the devil out of people. Oh, yeah, now he's got something he and I can agree on. Yeah, I believe in casting out devils. I say, well, pastor, I speak with tongues. Why don't you come around the desk and cast the devil out of me? <laughs> he bowed his head. <laughs> See, I, I, I've always been ornery, but sometimes I'm an anointed ornery. So I said to him, why don't you come around that desk and cast the devil out of me? He started crying. He really did, Ted. And I felt bad. I thought, oh, man, I, I didn't want to hurt his feelings, but he's crying. I said, are you all right, Pastor? He said, yeah. He said, I, he said, I believe that way because my church believes that way. And he said, I have to believe this way. I said, why do you have to believe this way? Because of your church? No. He said, we also teach once you get saved, you're always saved. And he, remember this, son. He said, my son committed suicide last year. And my world fell apart. And if I didn't believe, if I didn't believe that my son was saved, because there were some that were teaching that if you commit suicide, you, you never get to go to heaven. That comes out of Catholic uh, theology, actually. And I felt, I felt like saying something nice to him. I said, Pastor... Do you believe the Lord would send anybody to hell because they're sick in their body? And he, he, he looked up, tears on his face. He said, no, I don't. No, I said, I, that would be unjust of God. I said, exactly. I said, then why would you think that God would send someone to hell because they're sick in their mind? We don't know the goodness of God. Do you know, Ted, those words healed him right there. He said, man, I'd love to have you, but I know I can't. I'd get in trouble. He met with his leadership. Yeah. But he said, thank you, brother. You see, sometimes this area of false doctrine, it actually binds people up. I watched a video someone sent me last night of a police officer down in Louisiana that got laid off because of... Uh, you know, the virus and so forth, which really, I'm at the stage now, I would say without any question, it's the biggest hoax you've ever heard of. There's nothing to it. Now, when it started, it was real. It was an attack. But after August 25th, and I've, I've called people that run testing labs, doctors, friends, it's over. Anything you see now is nothing more than the spirit of Antichrist trying to destroy lives. And as a preacher, I have to say that until people stand up and slap the devil right in the face and the devil's crowd gets in the way of the slap, then they get it too. Amen. I'm telling you, the man was let go, did this video, it was sent to me last night, and two hours after the video, he took his life. Took his life. Now, what is my point? If the church was preaching, God heals. If the church was preaching, God can do anything but fail. If the church was preaching, there is no sickness, no disease that God cannot heal, then there wouldn't be this tremendous, tremendous deception that's binding the world. And so, Ted, I really believe when we get 
into the area of the hindrances of the miraculous. We're seeing every day the result of what the ultimate fruition of this particular hindrance that it brings about. It brings about the locking down of a soul. It brings about the desperation of a tormented mind. It brings about uh, the loss of jobs. You remember in the Bible, the woman that was sick with the issue of blood, she also spent all of her money. And the devil doesn't have any new tricks. He still uses sickness and disease to rob you of your health, your strength, and your money. And the reason why they let that guy go, they said, we don't have the money. Why don't they have the money? They've glorified sickness. The world is glorifying disease. The world is elevating doctors, and thank God for doctors, but they don't know everything. Are you listening to me? But the Bible never fails. The word of God never ceases to be powerful. What would happen if preachers would open their Bibles again and begin to declare God's covenant of healing? I am the Lord that heal, healeth thee. I heal you. You that are watching, shake yourself and say, I am not going to be sick. Just like you'd say, I'm not going back into sin. I'm done with it. Glory to God. I'm not going back into the world. I'm not going to go under the dominion of Satan. Once I got saved, thank God, sin will not have dominion over me. Glory to God. But you see, Calvinism kept that perpetual thought of the total depravity of man. Always sin's power, son working. But here comes a Whitfield and says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then the second great awakening, here comes Charles Finney with Jeremiah Lamphere and they start pushing it. You must be born again. You must be born again. You must be born again. Letting people know. Now Finney was a lawyer, had a good mind. Finney said, We've got to get this gospel out. So Father Nash would pray and Finney would preach and revival came to the United States and eventually the world. Right now, we're at a crux, son. We're at a, 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 a tipping point. We're at a place where, oh man, I feel the Holy Ghost on this. He that ministers to you miracles. So the first thing, to stay out of this hindrance to the miraculous. Don't follow those who are not operating in the operation of the gifts That's right. and the working of miracles. That's right. Don't follow that crowd because there's no blessing on them. What do I mean by that? No man can do these miracles except God be with him. When I worked with Brother Shambach, you know what he used to say? Risher, that's his last name. There's Joanne right there. Brother Risher got healed the other night, his ears. Hello, Daryl Pinder, my buddy in the Bahamas. <laughs> ha, 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 ha. 
Woo! Glory to God. I felt that. And I don't even know if you did, but I did. <laughs> I'm telling you in the name of Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, the devil is afraid. The church is waking up. Everybody's talking about the awoke generation. That's the fake great awakening going on. The awoke generation. Now, the First Nations don't want Jeep to call the Jeep the Cherokee. I'm part Cherokee. I don't care what they call it. My executive assistant, she's got more Cherokee blood than I do. Come on, get real with your brain. Amen. Are you going to run around and, you know, oh man. But anyhow, don't follow those who are not operating in the spirit. Follow them as they follow Christ. And Christ said, Jesus said, no man can do these miracles except God be with him. This first hindrance, we got to deal with it. We must deal with it because if the trumpet, the Bible says, gives an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? We're in a warfare, Paul said to Ephesians 6. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. But Paul also taught us the devil is under your feet. The devil is under your feet. You know what the, the devil's afraid of? I believe this, Ted. I believe this with all my heart. The devil's afraid mm -hmm. that the church is going to wake up, third grade awakening, and begin to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we are, and miracles will come from heaven because miracles are God's divine credentials that says, this is my word. These signs follow them that believe. And God worked with them, Mark 16, confirming the word with signs following. Now, if I were the devil, I'm not the devil, but if I were the devil, I would introduce teachings and doctrines, which are false, into the body of Christ to first son, bring division, right. divergence, yep. Calvinism, Arminianism, Jonathan Edwards, George Whitfield. But see, God is so good. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a thing be established. So he brought a second awakening, raised up Peter Cartwright out of the Cane Ridge, Kentucky revivals, raised up Charles Finney, and they preached like Whitfield. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. Now, I believe, Teddy, that the voice of healing revival after World War II is actually still in operation. I believe the voice of healing revival in the 40s was the former reign. In fact, Brother Sumrall said, Ma Beale up in Detroit, she coined that phrase, uh, the latter reign, and they called it the latter reign movement after World War II. But I had the thought, now prophetically, the former reign, latter reign speaks of Israel, the nation of Israel. We know that. Joel spoke of in the last days, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost, says this is that. So scripturally, biblically, the latter rain begin on the day of Pentecost. Mm -hmm. But son, it didn't end. It right. didn't end. Right. And from Pentecost till now is what we would call the church age. Mm -hmm. But during that process of God moving, 
all kinds and winds of doctrine have come against the message of Pentecost. Right. So when people say we need revival, I say it this way. God's been in revival since the day of Pentecost. Yeah. What you need, what I need, is to stir up the gift. Yeah. Stir it up. And if we have weak pulpits and weak preaching, right. then what you're seeing now in America, people running around, women like Muslim women, got their face covered. No difference. No difference. In one case, religion. In the other case, fear. But it's all the same devil. Same devil. And uh, we need to break the hindrance. Yep. Why? Because behind the hindrance, ladies and gentlemen, is Satan himself. The devil does not want you to hear the word of God. Why? Because if you hear the word of God and you receive the word of God, then faith is going to come. Faith comes by hearing. And when it does, he that works miracles will be able to operate in a higher level. T.L. Osborne said it this way. We need to teach mass faith and mass healing. Yeah. And if, if we can get more people at one time to believe the same thing about God's word, we'll have a greater manifestation. And so I want to uh, kind of, in that first thought, yes, yes, false doctrine teaching is a hindrance mm -hmm. to the working of miracles. But Paul obviously taught us, make sure the people are hearing faith. Right. Faith. Name one disease that Jesus cannot heal. You can't do it. Right. You can't do it. Now, can I say this, Ted? The gifts of healing are always expanding. What do I mean by that? The gifts of healing are always expanding. When God said, I'm the Lord that healeth thee, and in Exodus, and then later Moses taught sickness and disease was part of the curse of the law. So think of this. When Moses said, if you hearken unto his words, diligently keep his commandments, he said, none of these diseases will come upon you. And he goes on to say, and all the diseases that are not even written in the book, right. which means new disease. The CDC tells us there are new viruses. They call them super viruses. In fact, probably that's part of what's going on, apart from the original attack that came against us. And everybody said, where did the flu go? <laughs> it flew. <laughs> but what I'm trying to tell you is, get this in your spirit. If there's a brand new disease and it never existed before, well, keep listening. You'll hear what the four hindrances are. Amen. We're only on the first one. Glory to God. But hear me. When you see the word of God at work, always remember God is constantly expanding because his power. The, the world calls it the Big Bang Theory, but actually there's some truth in it. God is constantly expanding your knowledge 
and the Word of God to you. Always. Hopefully we know more now than we used to know. And if Jesus tarries, we'll know more then than we know now. But if a new disease comes, a new attack comes, he said, I'm the Lord that healeth all your diseases and even those that are not even written in the book. And so there's a gift of healing for COVID. There's a gift of healing for tuberculosis. There's a gift of healing. I mean, whatever you want to say. But if a preacher gets up and says, oh, these are powerful things we're dealing with. We better shut down the church. We better do this. We better obey Caesar. Hey, Caesar never healed anybody. Jesus is the one that did the healing. All Caesar ever did. One of them, he burned the, the city of Rome down. Caesar is not. In other words, government is not the answer. Not natural government of men. But there are governments. But the Bible says all governments, Isaiah 9 and 6, are going to be on Jesus' shoulders. And so this first hindrance, very important to understand, what do you believe? And if your believing is not based on the word of God, then it will hinder miracles from coming to you. One of the things I think will help people, you know, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, emulate those whose preaching produces the results you want to see. You know, people get caught up following so many different types of people. And the issue becomes, you know, if you're going to be a surgeon, you don't apprentice under a plumber and then wonder why you don't know anything about <laughs> surgery. Right. And so the key being, you know, Brother Osborne wrote a book called The Message That Works. And I have there, that book. That's yeah, a good book. And there is a message that did what he wanted it to do in those nations. There's a way to preach. There are things to preach that produce the results that you want to see. And, you know, one of the things you've said often is if you want to have a gift, you have to sit under a gift. But you have to watch how did those men preach? How, what did they preach? How did they preach it? You know, you, if you look at Brother Allen or Brother Roberts or you go Brother Osborne, Brother Hagin, you go through the ones saw miracles, signs, and wonders. How did they preach? They preached a certain way. They preached certain things. And, you know, it's interesting, too. Um, preaching in and of itself really is a key. Mm -hmm. Not teaching, but preaching. Not that we don't need teaching. We need it. But teaching that doesn't necessarily produce miracles. It's the preaching of the gospel that produces miracles. And so how would you... Um, tell people, especially younger ministers, preachers, you got to look and follow after the example. It's like Paul said, emulate me. And when he couldn't be with him, he said, I'll send Timothy to teach you how to live like I live. So you have to emulate those that are actually seeing the work being done. Is that how you would describe it? I always like to say this to preachers that are watching and believers. You can catch more flies with honey than vinegar. So we got to be careful. Good when, question here. If you preach what you, they preach, does that it. make you an echo? It doesn't because it's all the word of God. Something fell out of my pants. What was it? Oh, glasses. <laughs> if you preach what they preach, does that make you an echo? Yes, it does. You need to echo because until you get your own roar, you, you will be an echo. Nothing wrong with that. Who You know, 
John the Baptist said he was an echo. There's one that comes after me that's mightier than I. I'm just, I'm just, the, I'm just introducing him. Amen. Hello, Aaron. So, yes, it's all right to be an echo till you get, you know. And, and what about the apostles? They said, if you have anybody else that comes to you that's not preaching exactly what we preach. Right. Then don't receive them. I don't mm -hmm. care if, an, if they say an angel gave it to them. He said, they better be echoing what we preach to you. That's the and, same. And see, thing. there's a, a safety in that. There's a guard there. See, we came through a period of time. I would say, hello, Stephanie. Mama's on. Um, we came through a period of time. Everybody was talking about revelation. We need a, a new revelation. Well, it's only new to those that never heard it. But the Bible does say there's nothing new under the sun. Mm -hmm. Every generation is being, yes, Murray's got it, imitators. That's exactly what the Bible teaches. So, um, and I'm sure the person that asked that was saying it in a nice way. Yes, we're to be an echo. Nothing wrong with that. Yes, we're to say what Jesus said and what the apostles said and what the Bible says. And you didn't write the Bible, so anytime you speak it, you're echoing what the Word of God declares. Well, it's like Brother Allen said. He said, the servant's never greater than the master. You're not above the master. That's you're never right. going to have greater revelation than Jesus did. Yeah. And see, that's right, uh, uh, Jesse. Pastor say, hey, don't get mad at me. I didn't write it. I didn't say it. Exactly. So, um, and Teresa Kemp, do you know who she is? She's a great teacher of the Word. But uh, Sean Barker, hello, buddy. You like the haircut. Man, they cut every one of them, not, not just one. There was a pile on the floor when I was done. But I'm in Florida, and it's hotter than you would ever believe. For, let me just rub it in. You that are up north and digging out in snow and ice, it's probably 80-some degrees here. Amen. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I understand that, Sean. And, and, you know, Sean's a good guy, too. Yeah, he is. I love I've, I've, I follow yeah. Sean. But um, Donnie Alloy. Donnie Alloy, one of my neighbors, and uh, bless you too. You know, he used to take care of my dad, your grandfather. If my dad needed a hot dog, he'd go down and see Donnie. <laughs> Donnie, he'd bring it out to the car when dad couldn't walk real well. And then I got thinking, I said, Donnie, if he can't walk to come in and get it, what's he doing driving? <laughs> but listen, folks, um, uh, we need to understand that it's not God, it's not God that's trying to hinder us from receiving from Him. It would be unfair, unjust of God to require you to have faith, because it says in Hebrews eleven six, 6, without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he that comes to God must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder uh, of them that diligently seek Him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, what you need to understand, he wouldn't require you to have faith to please him unless he gave you the means to get it. And that's true of everything in the word of God. Whatever God has promised, he's able to do it. And so we need to be blessed to know that it's not God. Because I have heard people say this. You know, sometimes God will put obstacles, hindrances to see how bad you want it. There's not one scripture for that. I was driving, I had the radio on, your mom and I were listening, driving through uh, uh, one of the southern states, and there's a guy I'm preaching, he said, sometimes a, a God says no. I said, honey, he must not have read the Bible. The Bible says the promises of God are yes, 
an amen to him that believes. So you see, that was unbelief preaching. Mm -hmm. God doesn't say no to his own word. Right. He said, I'll honor my word above my name. So we got to deal with the hindrances. Now, hindrance number two for you that are keeping score. You know what it is, son? Unbelief. Unbelief. Ted, read that uh, passage, Mark chapter 6, at least 5 and 6. Sure. Hello, Hope. This is when Jesus went to his own hometown in Nazareth, couldn't do any mighty works, verse 5 and 6. And the Bible says, and he could do there no mighty work, except that he All laid right, his now hands. Now, who couldn't do any Jesus. mighty work? Jesus could not do a mighty work. St. Mark's gospel says that's true. Read, read more of this, son. People don't understand this. He couldn't do any mighty works there except for laying his hands on a few sick people and healing them. All right. So he, he did lay his hands on a few. Well, let's look at the reasoning. The only reason I'm stopping my son is to give you a chance to write this in your comments, to get it in your mind. Jesus himself could not do any mighty works. The Son of God couldn't do a mighty work when he wanted. That's correct. Why? There was a hindrance. Verse 6, and he marveled because of their unbelief. Do you believe that was the key? Unbelief was the hindrance? Well, if it stopped Jesus, it can stop you. Right. But notice, the laying on of hands works even when there's unbelief around. So transfer of power by the Holy Spirit of God. And so, you know, like when I see people that are sick or suffering and I'll, I'll teach them a little bit of the word, I'll always lay hands on them because mm -hmm. sometimes you can feel people. It's a new thought. God always heals. What? He always heals. I know people that died. I don't care if the whole world died. It doesn't change the nature of God, the word of God, mm -hmm. the things of God. It's like I knew a preacher, he laid hands on someone and they dropped over dead. <laughs> and the family sued him. And they said, what would you do, brother Ted, if that happened to you? I'd say, I told him, I said, I'd say, next. <laughs> Some people may not want to get in the prayer line after the last guy I laid hands on dropped over. But <laughs> your personal experience doesn't change the power. That last verse, Bonnie, was uh, Mark 6. Five Verses and six. five and six. Amen. So we've got to deal with this second hindrance, in my opinion, son, mm -hmm. unbelief. Right. Unbelief. And you can literally, as you can see in the example, and then he went about among the villages teaching and preaching. So, and that, that was the cure for unbelief. And it, it literally teaching. takes us back to the first point, proper doctrine. So proper preaching. You, you, you believe this? Now, it's interesting I've seen you, Brother Shambach, others, preach by the gift of faith and literally preach faith right into people and preach unbelief out of them. Now, you Brother Shambach, when he preached, he preached by the gift of faith. Yeah. I knew that. Mm -hmm. You could feel a shift in the atmosphere. Yeah. One night he was preaching and a woman, this was in the Bronx, in the center section, who had a huge tumor on the top of her head. While he was preaching by faith, it disappeared. 
She felt something, put her hand up. The tumor's gone. She jumped up and started dancing. And the power of God hit the whole tent and the field that we were on, a lot of dust. And it was like the glory cloud was the dust as everybody was stomping their feet for 40-some minutes. Wow. <laughs> People danced, shouted, praised the Lord. Because a woman's tumor disappeared. And the people who shouting and dancing, they didn't know it disappeared because she hadn't testified yet. Right. It was just there was a presence mm -hmm. of Almighty God that had come in that meeting right. by the gift of faith. And I have to tell you, it took the whole service to another level. It mm -hmm. really did. And that's why I used to love. Or that time he preached that guy out of the wheelchair that had been in the Vietnam War. No, that was T.L. Osborne. Oh, that's right. It was Brother Shambach's meeting in Dallas, mm -hmm. but Brother Osborne was preaching one afternoon, and he was saying, the gospel is simple. Mm -hmm. This man in a wheelchair. And I, as you know, used to help set up the auditorium, bring in the cripples and so forth that were in wheelchairs for, for Brother Shambach. And mm -hmm. I knew that man was in Vietnam. A landmine had broken his spine, and he hadn't walked for 20 years. This was years ago. And... Uh, Brother Osborne said, the gospel is simple. This man in a wheelchair, I would tell him. And he knew nothing of the man. I would tell him, God heals. He can give you a new spine. That's what the man needed. He can give you an anointing. It will quicken your body. The gospel is simple. When it comes on you, the spirit quickens the word that you receive. And while he's talking like that, all of a sudden the guy jumped out of the wheelchair, first time in 20 years. <laughs> Jody Dykes, hello. And, and took off, took off, running. And your mother and I were sitting on the front row. Brother Osborne goes, he, he sucked his teeth. Wonderful, powerful. <laughs> I, got that on, I got that on a VHS somewhere. I need to dig that out. Maybe you could show it yeah, that'd on be your awesome. program. But I'm just telling you that one of the hindrances is this area of unbelief. And unbelief literally comes from saying or doubting what God has said. Mm -hmm. If God said it, and the first example of unbelief was Eve in the garden. And what did Satan say? Has God said? Yea, right. hath God said? Right. Of course he did, you stupid lying devil. <laughs> of course he did. But see, she gave in to that. And you've got to be careful. The words you're listening to will either heal you or kill you. Right. The words you're listening to will either bring you miracles or steal your blessings. That's right. Have you ever heard anybody preach and you feel like, what in the world were they talking about? Absolutely. AJ Bible said, I can still hear Brother Shannon saying, poor devil. He used to say that. <laughs> poor devil. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Faith, Judy. Yeah, Shana. absolutely. And, and you know what? For my generation, I really feel this. Jesse, God bless you. People are, they've got too many voices in their lives. You know, listening to everybody, reading everybody. And they really, there's not a strong faith in a lot of people because actually they've too many <laughs> counterpoints, too many things in their, in their spirit. Well, exactly. And think about it this way too, son. And listen to me, folks. You need to determine 
what is it I want to receive from God? Then with a hearing ear, hear what the Spirit says. Find people that are saying what the Spirit is telling you. Almost really like um, confirmation. And you're very careful as to who you listen to. I believe to be. that. Now, there are, the Bible says teach sound doctrine. Right. Which means, number one, there is sound doctrine. Right. Number two, it can be taught. Have you ever heard anybody say, nobody has all truth? Do you ever? Mm -hmm. But when people say nobody has all truth, what they're really saying is they don't believe the Holy Spirit can do his work that Jesus said in St. John's Gospel, the 16th chapter. Right. When he said, how be it, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he'll lead and guide you into all truth. Which also shows you. In all truth. That post And will show you those things which are to come, it says. Like our generation's plagued with the thought of postmodernism, which shows you, that verse alone shows you it's a lie. Tell that me what postmodernism is. Postmodernism is the thought that truth is relative to the individual. What may be true for you is not true for me. What oh, may be oh, good for you is not good for me. That's a demon. Yeah, Bible might be true for you. So postmodernism is a doctrine of devils. Right. I got you. For All sure. Right. Because they, I'm they, glad I came today. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, because what ends up happening is is that it removes any standard of solid truth. Right. There is no standard to adhere to, and so it can be whatever it is to you, relativity. And so that's the problem, because the Bible is, the Scripture is, the absolute truth of God. It's the standard of God. Praise His name. Glory, glory, glory. Amen. Hallelujah. And so we just need to take authority. Uh, we need to take authority over our own minds. What do I mean by that? We're to renew our mind. Hello, Vicki Hare. We're to renew our minds with the Word of God. Yep. So getting back to my point, the Holy Spirit will drop something in your spirit. And if you start listening to somebody that's opposite, thank you, Brother Daryl. I'm going to Daryl's Island, Abaco, and he promised he's going to fix me some conch soup. Amen. In the Bahamas. Hello, Terry Dross, great man of God, Tammy Turner. Hey, Tammy, I'm sorry to hear Bishop Black passed. Sister Sherry called me. Great man. We love him. Hallelujah. But hear me. We need, we need every day to let the Spirit of God, oh, renew our minds in truth. Yeah. And when you do that, when you do that, it gives you like a, woo, a strength in the Holy Ghost that nobody's going to rob you of God's blessing. Amen. Mm -hmm. But it is a hindrance. Unbelief's a hindrance. No question. And it kept great miracles from operating. So number two, the hindrance is the area of unbelief. Yeah. You ready for number three? Sure. Go ahead. Demonic Resistance. Demonic resistance. The devil doesn't like miracles. It proves not only that Jesus is alive, miracles prove, hello, Joe Spence, it proves, it proves that the devil is defeated. Glory. Amen. Glory. Glory. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. 
Glory, 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 glory. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. The devil is defeated. So the third hindrance, read it again, demonic. Demonic resistance. Resistance. Demonic resistance. Now, I wrote two verses of scripture down. First, I wrote down uh, what Paul said in the Bible that on the day of Pentecost, he said at Pentecost, an effectual door was opened unto him, but there were many adversaries. Right. When you think of Pentecost, you think of the wonderful power of the Holy Spirit. When you think of the day of Pentecost, you think of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. When that Pentecostal day came and Paul was in Ephesus, he said something in the Spirit. I don't believe that's an accident. I believe there are wells in the Spirit. I believe that day of Pentecost, the Spirit put those words there for us to learn from them. On the day of Pentecost, at Pentecost, while he was in Ephesus. Now, the Ephesian revival shook all of Asia Minor, the Bible says, both Jew and Greek, without television, radio, magazines, anything. The whole subcontinent of Asia Minor, shaken by the power of God. Hello, Charlie. Now, let me just say this. And I, I like this. I really do. Just because you're experiencing difficulty. Yes, number one, Nancy, was the area. Are you writing this down? She's talking about the hindrance. False doctrine. It had to do with false doctrine. And folks, you can go back and listen to this again. It, it'll be a blessing to you. Amen. But... Uh, isn't this beautiful how that just because you have trouble does not mean you don't have faith. Because you have trouble, the devil doesn't work on those he's already got. Mm -hmm. He's working on those he doesn't have. Demonic resistance. Demonic resistance. Thank you, angel. Demonic resistance. Think about this now. Mm -hmm does not mean you're missing God. Sometimes, you're welcome, sometimes that resistance you're feeling, that opposition you're feeling, is because God has opened something, a door for you. At Pentecost, your personal Pentecost, God opens it, wow! Look at what God's about to do. Then what do you find out? But there's many adversaries. Mm -hmm. Many adversaries. And so, <laughs> there is a beautiful thought. And here it is. When the Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous, that passage occurs in two places in your Bible, Isaiah and so forth. But one says, he will deliver them 
from them all. He will deliver them out of them all. Which means if right up ahead you see opposition coming, God will deliver you from it. Or if you're one of those, and I've been there, where you're right in the midst of the battle, he'll deliver you out of it all. So whether he keeps you from it or delivers you out of it, the key is he's a delivering God. You know what? I like that song. Thank you, Brother Christopher Hutchings. I like that song. He's a miracle, miracle, miracle working God. Mm -hmm. We're talking about hindrances to the working of miracles, but we need to understand it's like Sunday. Sunday morning, the Lord, I took an old Oral Roberts message at our camp meeting and I preached, raising the roof for victory. And I mean, people were shouting on their feet. Miracles took place. The gentleman I called for, uh, then the woman and God, and then the altar was filled with people getting saved. Come back that night, I could feel a hindrance. What was it? The devil doesn't want miracles taking place. It was resistance. I've done this for 47 years. I know his tricks. He has no new ones. The devil is just as stupid now as he was when he fell from heaven. He didn't get smarter. He has no new tricks. God is all wisdom. The devil has no wisdom. Are you listening to me? The devil's wisdom, the Bible says, is sensual, it's devilish. It pulls down, it tears down. God's wisdom builds up. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Yes, she was deaf 20 years. The other woman was, was bl gone blind and God opened her eye, her left eye. Great meeting. But come back Sunday night. I had to press in. Hello, Bill Motley. We know him. Great guy. Great man of God. Well, I've done this long enough. I knew what I had to do, Ted. I had to stand there flat-footed and just keep teaching and preaching the word. And it finally broke. And we had many deaf people heal, crippled people from accidents. Sunday night ended up being just as powerful. But there was resistance, demonic resistance. West Falloon, if I had another son, Teddy, he'd be it. Amen. <laughs> we love Wes. Isn't he a great guy? I he mean, is. Wes, up there in northern Maine. <laughs> oh, in the snow. I hope you got a snowmobile, sir. Glory to God. But uh, just because you're battling resistance doesn't mean that the miracle is not in operation. If anything, if anything, the opposition is because of the working of miracles. So this third area, demonic resistance, you'll remember that Philip dealt with it in Samaria. Mm -hmm. The sorcerer, yep. his first name was Simon. He was French. <laughs> no, Simon the sorcerer. <laughs> Just checking to see if you're all still with us. He wanted to give money to buy the gift. I want to say something nice about Lance Walnow. Do you know who I mean when I say Lance? I do. Years ago, Lance was pastoring in Rhode Island. And he was kind enough to have me come for a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So we met in Seekonk at a restaurant. 
and I was talking to him, and he said, what did you ever notice about the great men of God? I said, well, one thing, I learned that if I sowed into them, it was like an investment in what they were doing. He said, explain that. I said, well, I was just with Brother Sumrall, and I had been. And I said, Bonnie and I, for the first time in all the years of traveling, we had a little money ahead. I had four uh, $100 bills. And in our bank account, maybe $30 or $40. And after, from 1976, when were you born? 82? 82. To 1982, because he was just a little boy. From 76 to 82, about six, seven years, I never had any money. But that particular week, for the first time in six years of ministry, I had $400 in my pocket and $40 or $50 in... Um, the bank. So Brother Summerall heard, hello from Jamaica, Ingrid. I love Jamaica. I used to live there. I had an apartment, Kingston 8. But anyhow, Brother Sergio is so anointed. He's speaking in another language. Amen. Tremendous power of God. That's Portuguese. Portuguese. I don't know that word at Abundant Life Church. That Good. was Sunday. Sunday at Abundant yes. Life Church. Yes. Love that man. So, Ted, I was telling Lance this. Brother Summerall called to where I stand and said, tell that evangelist, come over. I, I want to interview him on television. So your mother and I drove over to Lassie Studios in South Bend. And when I was going in, the Lord said, I want you to give Brother Summerall all your money. Well, you know, I didn't want to do it. I hadn't had that much money in all the years I traveled. I said to your mom, I said, you know, there's something God wants me to do. She said, yeah, we're supposed to give Brother Summerall an offering. I said, I feel to give him all our money. Oh, good. Your mom's a faith-filled woman. So <laughs> I uh, pulled them four $100 bills out, put them in an envelope I saw in the foyer of the studio, wrote a check, cleaned out my checking account, and I gave... Um, I gave it to Brother Summerall. And I'm telling Lance this story. And Brother Lance opened up his uh, coat, pulled out a checkbook. And Brother Walnow wrote a check for $600. Never forget it. Handed it to me. He said, that's what I want to do, Brother Ted. I want to sow an offering into you because I want to see God move. Now, you cannot buy a miracle. You can't even buy a ministry. But you can give God an offering that moves God. Mm -hmm. Demonic resistance. So Simon the sorcerer was trying to take his money to buy the power to lay hands on people to get the Holy Ghost. See, can't, you can't buy that. Mm -hmm. Can't buy that. So what we see is he was a sorcerer. The satanic uh, resistance to that revival in Samaria had to do with Simon the sorcerers yielding to 
The devil, I have no question, the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money, the love of it is the root of all evil. And Ted, Simon got rebuked, mm -hmm. and rightly so. Rightly so. Now, when it comes to the working of miracles, one time I was with Brother Shambach, and this rich businessman came to him and said, my, my daughter needs a miracle. Brother Shambach, here's $5,000 if you'll heal her. This is out on the West Coast. Oh, Brother Shambach said, Brother, I can't do it. He said, now if you just come in this meeting and said, Lord, I'm sowing this money for my daughter's miracle as an act of faith. He said, God would do it. But if you're saying to me, man of God, take this 5,000. Not only can I not do it, but I won't do it because Jesus already paid for your daughter's healing on the cross over 2,000 years ago. Brother Shambach laid hands on the man. I send a word to your daughter to be healed. And the last I remember, and as you know, I kept notebooks. Every time I was with Brother Shambach, I'd write his stories down. Mm -hmm. And I love that man of God because of his integrity. But his point was, this is nothing more than the devil trying to resist the daughter's miracle because of a misunderstanding of how miracles work. The devil gets in. He did with Simon the sorcerer. He did with the seven sons of Sceva in the book of Acts. And the devil will try to get in and keep you from the open door of the spirit. But thanks be unto God <laughs> who always gives us the victory. Amen. Ted? Amen. Amen. The fourth hindrance. <clears throat> what is it? Complacency. Complacency. What does that mean to you when I say that? You know, it's, it's interesting because in order to keep pressing in to stay hungry. I love that verse of scripture that says, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. One of the dangers I think, especially if you're in the ministry is losing your hunger to see God move or be getting to a place where you feel like you've either made it or you feel like, I think people have a great temptation to coast and it takes, it takes the pressing in. That's why I think fasting and prayer is so wonderful because Fasting is truly, I, I like how one preacher said it I read, when I was writing this book. He said, fasting is a way to show God, not just with your spirit, but with your whole body, how hungry you are for the supernatural. Taking all the food away and, and pressing in prayer. One of the biggest temptations. Say that is, again. I like that. Yeah. He, I was reading, and when I was doing research for this book on fasting, one, one preacher said, fasting is a way to show God, not with just your spirit, but sure. with your whole body. How hungrier you are for the Beautiful. supernatural. Yeah. Uh, it's easy. The flesh wants to coast. The flesh wants things to just go into cruise control. And it's really interesting because when you look at 
we, we, we deal with it all the time on the broadcast, the parable of the talents. When that man took his talent and buried it in the ground and then just gave the master back what he'd put in his hand, the master didn't just say he was lazy. He no. said, you wicked, wicked, wicked and lazy. Servant. You wicked man. So the Lord is always looking for people to keep producing, keep pressing in, keep increasing. As you preach for the kingdom of God is based on increase. And so when people get complacent, they put their life, their ministry on cruise control. They put everything into it. They just kind of want to coast through life and people stop being hungry. They stop being hungry. It's a funny analogy to use, but it's like Rocky, Rocky three. Hello, <laughs> for the, Tobin. For the first, for the first two, remember he was so hungry to win that he was just tearing people up. Then he got a little money, got a little comfort. He started living, had a car, had a nice house. And his manager started booking him fights that were puff fights because he knew. And he told him halfway through, if I, booked you, if I booked you any real people, they would take your head off because you've gotten soft. And I feel like people in our generation have gotten soft in the anointing and they want to coast through life, don't want to press in. And really, it's that complacency with no faith, no pressing in, no hunger right. that keeps people back from the supernatural realm. I always used to use a verse of scripture in the Old Testament. I had a message son that I preached years ago called the disease of ease. Woe unto them that are in Zion that are at ease laying down on their beds, etc., etc. Well, the disease of ease means many things. But to me, complacency is I'm just going to sit back I call it the Doris Day theology remember my mother and grandma used to like Doris Day movies and there was a song she sang que sera sera whatever will be will be the future's not ours to see que sera sera and I call that the Doris Day theology <laughs> well, whatever will be, will be. I see a, a young girl that's on here. She helps us. I don't want to call her by name. But I noticed years ago that if, and, and the lady I'm talking about, she knows I'm telling you the truth. I said, privately, if we have to discuss something, we'll do it. But publicly, when we go forth, we have to show, <laughs> yes, it is, Tobin. We have to show the people that we influence solidarity of faith. Now, when we're talking about complacency, it means you're not single-minded, but you're double-minded. You go back and forth. And you just, they say, roll with the punches. You can't be like that. You have to have a made-up mind. A made-up mind. And so, let's say, son, you and I have a discussion. Dad, I don't know if I agree with this. Well, this is what I think, son. All right. 
But we go out to the platform. We go out to preach. We can't be bickering or we can't be divided because it introduces into that meeting a spirit of complacency. Oh, well, we'll just get it done and maybe... No, you constantly... Yes, yes, ma'am. Unity, single mind. You constantly have to press in as a believer. Does God know that we are weak in our flesh? Yeah. But if you give in to that weakness, it makes you complacent. When I fell and injured myself, son, my knee, I, uh, I also had a funny thing happen while I was recovering. I didn't have the drive in the natural to do what I wanted to do because that injury was robbing me of my single-mindedness. My focus was on getting well, getting, getting my knee healed. I wasn't sick, but I couldn't walk. And during that time I couldn't walk, my muscles atrophied. I staggered around like a drunk man trying to get my strength back. But, but I kept going. And I kept going. And I kept walking. I got to where I had a two-mile walk. You remember that time you came home and you have something on your watch that tells you how far we're walking? And so first he showed me what a mile was. Then all I had to do was do it twice. And I could do two. But I didn't start doing two. I start doing 800 yards. And that's all I could do. But you build yourself up. And I focused on that and focused on that until I begin to get my strength back. But that's natural. This year, coming into this year, and I hadn't done this in years, I felt to take 21 days to fast and pray. I took the last day of 2020, first 20 days of 2021, and as I was doing that, my focus then was not my leg, it was my spirit. Not my leg, my spirit. And I wasn't complacent about it. I was going to do it if it made the devil suck popsicles in hell. He was going to do it. I am not going to stop doing this. And I had some people call me, Teddy. You know, you're recovering. You probably should eat something and so forth. Man, I was tempted. I wanted to go get a steak and cook that sucker up. But I, I persevered. I wasn't complacent about it. Now, I'm going to tell you something that I think happened out of that. I feel, son, that I'm preaching stronger now than I have maybe in 10 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can see it. I'm talking about the anointing is stronger. Yep. The miracles are greater. That came from not being complacent in my spirit. I'm talking to you. Whatever you tolerate or allow, mm -hmm. whatever you tolerate or allow, then that thing you tolerate will someday overcome you. Mm. Someday overcome you. Now, I'll be the first to tell you, I couldn't do what I do without the great men and women that helped me. 
I, I couldn't do all that I'm doing now. But I'm not double-minded about it. If I meet with, uh, I call her Sister O, if I meet with her, I say, here's what I feel the Lord says to do for this month and as far ahead as God will show me. I'll meet with uh, Sister Sherry and talk to her. Your mother and I will discuss things. I'll call you. There's nothing wrong with the power of agreement. See, iron sharpens iron. And one way to stay away from complacency is to have people in your life that love you, that honor you, and that sharpen you, move you a little bit ahead. I don't know most of the stuff my son and my daughter and son, I don't know most of the technology they know. But the nice thing is they don't know half of what I know. I live longer. And so it's an exchange. The things that God has shown me, I try to give to the next generation. That's why I'm taking time with my son, not only him, some of the new guys God's bringing in the ministry, my son-in-law John, Tony Suarez, Kevin Wallace, Isaac Petrie, and, I, and the list goes on. Vesel de Brun from South Africa and so many. Why, why, Ted, would I do that? It's because that keeps me from being complacent. I hear the footsteps behind me like playing football. When I'd get the ball and I'd take off and I'd get around the corner and the middle linebackers didn't pull quick enough, all I heard was footsteps behind me. But those footsteps behind me made me run faster. Sometimes the cornerbacks would try to cut me off and I would veer, but if I heard the footsteps here, I'd veer that way. Maybe go to the coffin corner, to the sideline, but I was still running, still running. And that is exactly how this works in the working of miracles. I hear footsteps coming, but it's a good thing. It's the next generation behind me pushing me, keeps me from being complacent, keeps me from taking things for granted, makes me get in the, the word more. Hallelujah. And let me just say this about complacency. You got to be careful who you allow to be around you. Right. I, I can count on one hand the people all right, let's say staff in my office. I don't like to mention names because people search them out, but I'll call her Blondie. I got Blondie. I got Sister Cherokee. I've got, obviously, your, uh, your mom, your, your sister, your, your brother-in-law. These are five people, and there's even more. I got Big Bird. They call her Bert. I got... I got Tam, I've got Melinda, I've got wonderful people. Everybody that works in that office, powerful. But I couldn't do what I'm doing if I didn't have them back there pushing, pushing. Ministry, I have friends in the ministry. I used to have a lot of older preachers, but they all went to heaven on me. And then, unfortunately, I'm getting to be the older guy, but it's all right. 
I, I went a long time, son, so I could be the older guy. <laughs> but the thing is this, I have brothers in Christ, wonderful people. If I mentioned their names, some you'd know, some you wouldn't. And you have the next level. One time I heard the Lord say to me, Father, brothers, sons. Fathers, brothers, sons. The Lord said to me, the scripture, you don't have many fathers. Of course, I have my natural father who was a preacher. Thank God for him. But I can say there's only three men that helped me in ministry that were older men. One was my father, your grandfather. Two was David McIntyre, a great, wonderful man. And thirdly, Brother Shambach. At every phase of my early days, to keep me from being complacent, I had these men. Now, there's a lot of teaching about who's your covering. And I'm very honest. It's called canon. They make blankets and I cover up with it. It's so silly how people are. The first thing is the spirit of God, the presence of God is the covering, not a man. But iron sharpening iron means that God will bring people in your life that will help you. If I said to the little woman, I think I saw her on her day, Sister O, we'll call her, I'd say, what do you think about this or that? They might push me a little bit. Brother Ted, I don't know about, but not in a bad way, see. Or if I said to your mom, what about this? She said, well, I, I think we should do this. It makes no difference. What we talk about, you need people to keep you from being complacent. That's what I'm talking about. Ministry-wise, it's not about a covering or just having one spiritual father. Oh, this generation is perishing. It doesn't have spiritual fathers. They're there. But you need to learn how to ID the flow of the working of miracles we're talking about. Find out who flows in it. Follow that flow. Follow that flow. So the Lord said to me, fathers, but you don't have many fathers. And like I said, I could tell you the three. And then brothers, wonderful men and women of God, who God will bring them around you as a brother or a sister in Christ. Well, I wrote a list. Everybody I thought was my brother. And then the Lord said to me, <laughs> sons. And I would have to say daughters. Because a father can have daughters as well as sons in the natural. And I began to understand, Teddy, that what keeps you sharp what keeps you from being complacent? What cause? I'll give you an example. You know who Rhonda Spencer is. And I told her, I said, I feel like you're a spiritual daughter to us. And, and your mother and I, we love the Spencers. Well, and Cody and Chad and all of them, Mindy, they're all your friends as well. Mm -hmm. But I got a call from Rhonda. She said, Brother Ted, I'm battling in my body. That was the beginning of last year. Mm -hmm. 
And so I said, Sister, my first meeting's in York, Pennsylvania in January. 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 I said, if you can get to that meeting, I'll pray for you and God will heal you of that cancer. Felt it. Got there and didn't know when they were coming. Your mother was talking back and forth with them. Bonnie said, they'll be here probably Monday night, maybe Tuesday. So I began to fast. Now we're talking what, Ted? Complacency. Complacency. Well, how are we doing on time? Uh, I'm just about done, folks. Yeah. But complacency. Because I knew that girl, if she didn't get a miracle, would die. It was the footsteps behind me. She was pushing us for the miraculous for her, see. So she comes. I preached. I prayed for her. The next day, she gets a hold of your mother and sends her a picture. And that tumor passed from her body. Amen. And then there was an area, Brother Joe Spence... You know, Joe used to, who was it, Joe? Uh, sister uh, in Missouri. You know, she's real famous. Joyce Meyer. I think Joe used to work for her. Amen. Is that right, Joe? I can't remember. But anyhow, there was a time he was pushing, and now he's a pastor, see? Same with me. People pushing me to the working of miracles. But if I got complacent, she wouldn't have got her miracle, see. And God gave her her miracle. Yes, sir, that's right. I thought it was. So when God touches you, when God sets you up for your miracle, you cannot be complacent because there's others, Ted, that are depending on you. And so at this stage of my life, I believe I have sons and daughters. I believe there are people who may not be connected to me in the realm of the spirit as far as ministry, but the people, the people that need miracles. I am so upset at people committing suicide because of the lie of this stupid virus that has no power compared to the power of Almighty God. Come on, folks. Straighten your act up. Stand up. Tell people to take a running jump off a pier. Something. But stand for the miraculous. Don't be complacent. Because I'll guarantee you, that devil, he'll come up with another virus. He'll come up with another plague. He'll, the devil's going to be the devil. That's what the devil does. He's evil. You remember my dad used to preach, yeah. D, the devil. E, you take away the D's, evil. You take away the E's, vile. You take away the V's, make you ill. You take away the I, he'll send you to L. Amen. So <laughs> deal. <laughs> deal with it. Don't be complacent. Don't be complacent. Hallelujah. Amen. And let Iron sharpen iron. Understand 
that your complacency may cost somebody their life. When I found out, Teddy, that young man killed himself after he posted that video and they sent it to me. Over something that cut the money off. But they got money for everything else. Say, come on, come on, give me a break. I wouldn't follow some of these politicians anywhere. And especially to hell and back. But I'll follow a man or a woman of God that's not complacent. That stands firm in the midst of a storm and declares our God is a miracle working God. Amen. And he is. Amen. Amen. Yeah, and I know there's many people watching that, you know, you're hungry to see miracles, signs, wonders in your own life, in your own ministry. You know, it's not just if you're in a five-fold ministry. You don't have to be an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher to see signs and wonders, to see miracles in your life. Every believer is filled with the same spirit mm -hmm. that raised Christ up from the dead, and you have the ability to operate in signs, wonders, and miracles. And I know there's people hungry. And obviously those that are watching the Victory Tribe, you're hungry mm. to see God move in your generation, in your home, in your family, in your business, in your ministry. We have pastors that watch hungry for miracles in their church, in their ministry. And so I would like my father to pray for every one of you that are watching to receive a fresh, as he said, hunger, not complacency, uh, a desire to be faithful to the word of God, to have a strong faith and to overcome every demonic resistance sent by the devil to stop this generation from walking in the supernatural. This is our season to see God move like never before in one last revival before Jesus comes back. We're going to be a part of it in Jesus name. I'm going to say something that's going to shock you, but it's part of the working of miracles. If you watch this today and you don't sow an offering to God for this, You'll never give God anything when the Spirit moves on you the next time. The Bible says that you're to communicate or give to them that teach you in the Word. Now, I'm saying this because Brother Shambach received offerings. And when he would receive offerings, he never said, if you give me an offering... God will give you a miracle. He never said it. Thank you, Amber. But let me just say this. We want the anointing. But it's like the virgins, ten wise, ten foolish. The Bible doesn't say the foolish virgins didn't have the money to get oil. It said they wanted the other people's oil. They didn't want to invest their money in the anointing. And the bridegroom was coming. And some of you that are watching this are so hungry for Jesus to come. But before he comes, you want to be used. Man, somebody just gave a trillion dollars. <laughs> Maddie. Uh, Maddie. <laughs> the evangelist's granddaughter just gave a trillion dollars. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Glenn. But hear me. Think about what I'm telling you. Think about what I'm telling you. We're at the end of time. Jesus is coming and we've got the oil, but some of you will not invest in the oil. That's what I'm trying to say. But we have to, we must. I will give my son a check from his mother and I.
because of what he's doing, see? Well, that's your son. You're supposed to do that. I don't know if I am or not, but I'm going to. Why do I do that? Because of relationship. When you give, the five foolish virgins would not invest in the oil because they really were not invested in the coming of Jesus. So you see, when we talk about praying, you can't talk about praying without talking about giving. Do this. Take in a breath. Now, if you don't let that breath out, you've got to give it out before you can take it in. Take in another breath. Let it out. Breathing. Expelling that breath. Taking it in, giving it out. Taking it in, giving it out. And the only way you go forward in the kingdom, in the supernatural, yes, you took in the word, but now you got to give out by the Spirit. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Brother Shanu. That's Thanks, very Mary. kind. Love you, man. Thank you, Sister Jacum. Jacum. I'm sorry, I'm not good at names. So when I give an offering, what I do, I wrap my faith around my gift. Thank you, Jeff Graves, Juanita. Thank you, Tracy. God bless y'all. Ted, what I do, I wrap my faith around my giving. Thank you, Mike, Ruby. And folks, I'm telling you, if ever we need to invest in the operation of the things of the Spirit. Thank you, Jody Rogers, Jeff Graves. Thank you, buddy. Kathy Rose. Folks, what'd you call it? Victory Tribe. We have a group of people in this nation. You don't need a lot. Just use what you got. We can turn America around by our giving, our prayers, and our ministries. Think of it this way. You have a ministry, like Diane that just donated. God bless her. Elizabeth Coleman that just donated. I'm just telling you, you have a ministry. And it's not just in the giving. It's in the praying. It's in the believing God for miracles for somebody. And as I said, a man can have sons in the gospel, can have daughters. And the Lord touched Rhonda, and I'm so glad. Thank you, Kathy. But folks... Which are you is the question. Are you the wise or are you the foolish? Oh, I've been there. When I gave that money to Brother Summerall, the devil said, you're an idiot. That's all the money you've ever had ahead in six years. Perhaps. But you know what? God kept blessing me and blessing me and blessing me and blessing me. And as God would bless us, over and over. My wife and I, we'd grow. Thank you, Sister Wadford. We'd grow and we'd grow and we'd grow spiritually, financially, in every area. When I tell people I, I was only sick two days in my life, which is true, February 1977, I had a fever for two days. Do you want to know how the Lord kept me all these years? I believe this because I gave myself to others, praying for the sick ministering to people, laying on the floor, praying in the spirit, fasting, 
And what God does, he extends your life. I, I think I'm doing good for 102. I believe I look good. Amen. But I'm not. But as each time the years roll around, I have to lift my hands and thank God. Thank God that he's made me wisdom. Not a foolish virgin. Wise. Thank you, Kathy. And so, folks, I'm going to pray for you. But what I wanted to do is a twofold prayer. I want to pray first for everyone that gives because what they're calling the great reset, the, the money systems are going to change. By giving today, hear me, when you give today, today, I believe God will take what you give and undo the great reset designed against you. And I quoted from James 5 at the beginning of this. Thank you, Isabel Gonzalez. So I want you to put something in the ground like Isabel just did. And then I want you to get this thought in your mind. My money's going to be protected. My job secure. I will be safe. I will be safe. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I want to give you just a few moments, son, as there's, I see a lot of people giving. Good. And when you do that, you're saying, I'm undoing. Yes, Mario Marcus. I'm undoing the great reset. See, that's the devil's plan. The devil is the thief that comes to steal. Hello, Doreen Butler. Steal, kill, and destroy. Hello, Jacqueline Blake. God bless her. But Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and might have it more abundantly. Glory to God. When we do this crusade, son, in Miami, we're not going to take any offerings from the people that come. Mm -hmm. We're going to bring food. We're going to bless them, give them gifts, preach the gospel, believe for miracles. And so your offering today is undoing the great reset, they call it. It was on the cover of Time magazine last November. I read about it. What is it? It means there are certain men that want to control your life. But my life is hid with Christ in God. And so when I give, like when I gave to Brother Sumrall, thank you, Kimberly. When I wrote that, cleaned out my checking account, the four $100 in my wallet, I gave it to Brother Sumrall. Here's the rest of that story. He didn't know I was going to do that. All of a sudden, tears came down Brother Sumrall's face. He began to prophesy to me. You can't buy a prophecy. You can't buy a prophecy. You can't buy a miracle, but you can move God. And he began to prophesy. He said, you're the new breed. And just as Wigglesworth blessed me with tears, so I bless you. He's talking to me. A man that Smith Wigglesworth prayed over is now praying over me. I didn't know he'd do that. I didn't ask him to do that. But my gift, the Bible says it made room for me. And the power of Almighty God came on me in that little TV studio in South Bend, Indiana, Ted. And after that, after that, Sister Lewis, 
God began to give me trucks and tents and chairs and radio stations to preach on and television and books. And it just keeps growing every year. Thank you, Doreen, again. So whether you believe me or not, I can't make you believe it. But I'm telling you, if you're a wise servant, you'll have money invested in the oil. And that oil or the Spirit of God comes, comes upon the Word of God. Thank you, Joel. Now, Teddy, let's just give the folks a couple more minutes. Thank you, Hope Browning. Thank you, Kelly. Because I want this prayer to be for every giver. I don't pray. You've never heard me pray, Lord, bless those that give and those that don't give. No, he only blesses the giver. You've got to give to be blessed. Thank you, Sonia. She just gave. So, Father, in Jesus' name, while Ann Bulls and all these people, Stanley, Hughes, Kimberly, while they're putting their seed in the ground of the working of miracles, we say it again, you can't buy a miracle. We say it again, you can't buy a healing. We say it again, but we can move God with our faith. These people that are giving like Sonia and Jennifer and Gloria, Rivera, all of these people are giving. You know what they're saying, Lord? They're saying, I want to be a wise servant, waiting for the coming of Christ, investing in the oil, investing in the anointing. Just like Mary Beth Bullock gave for God's work. Bless everyone. Now here it comes, folks. Lord, wrap your supernatural divine power around the people giving right now. And I pray you'd protect their jobs, increase their income, and cause them to have increase so that faith can change your testimony. I'm not suffering, but I am filled up. Bill, God bless you, Bill. I pray this on you now. Randy. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now I pray for miracles. Many of you have been putting in the comments, I need a miracle for Caleb, my son. I need a miracle for my mother. I need, Lord, only you can work miracles. And I pray that the working of miracles would come upon everyone watching in the wonderful name of Jesus. You know what, Joe? Joe Spence, the Lord just spoke to me. Give me a wide shot, Mr. Director. I feel, Brother Joe, that you're to have Teddy to come hold a meeting. Do you know Joe Spence? I don't believe so. He's a nice man. And then, after he's there and breaks the ground, I'm going to bring my tent there. I don't know when I'll bring it. And we'll reach the whole region. I just come up with my spirit. Whew, glory to God, Joe, you ought to shout. Because I tell you, I, he, the Lord doesn't very often do it like that. But I tell you, I feel, I, I've been doing this 47 years. That might be the first time hmm. I've asked 
someone to get you in there. Amen. Break up the fallow ground. Have a great move of the Spirit. And then we'll put that tent up and the harvest will come in. I prophesy that. Brother Spence, God's getting, he's fixing to bless you, sir, in a mighty, mighty way. Come to Saskatchewan. I did once. It was beautiful. Amen. Cold, but beautiful. And so I pray miracles upon you. Sorry about that, folks. Sometimes I'll prophesy. I don't even, it just comes up in my spirit. But whoever this Joe Spence is, to you, you say, I don't know him. To God, he's a key man. I think he's in Pennsylvania. He's a key man to reach that region of the state of Pennsylvania run by uh, people that need Jesus. <laughs> Glory! Yeah, let's do it. All right, you get a hold of my son, Joe, and he'll come. And then what you'll do is we'll check out the area and find a place to put that tent up. Glory to God. Amen. I pray your miracle come now. Yes, your son who's bound up, be free. Isaiah needs prayer. We send prayer to Isaiah. Glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Access church. Let the unsaved be oh, drawn there. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Is, is Bethlehem your home state? Oh, oh, oh Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. There yeah, I'll go. be there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I'll see you Oh, there. yeah, tell them. Teddy's coming to Pennsylvania. Yep. Maybe you meet that guy up there. I don't know where he's at. I think he said, I'll see you in Bethlehem. Is that what All he said, right. Tiffany? That was a woman, but thank God. Who was it? I oh, it was know. Faith. Yeah, was Faith. Was it Faith? Mm -hmm. Oh, and, and uh, Rebecca. Who oh, glory adios. Gracias. Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ted, I might even come back again another day this week. Yeah. Amen. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Why not tomorrow? <laughs> I hate to take up your time. This is your no, it's great. Facebook. I'm glad you're here. But People we needed it. to deal with some hindrances. No I, question. I think in this season, we need to. Yeah, we need miracles more than ever before. Jesus is coming. And, uh, I, you know, I've been telling people this. I know the Bible says that in the last days, the hearts of many will grow cold. There'll be a falling away. But I've been telling everybody, and you, you put it in the comments now, that will not be my story in Jesus' name. Tell me your new theme the ones. song. God don't need no matches. He's <laughs> fired by himself. Yeah, and then the other one we've been doing, If You Don't Love Jesus, Go to Hell by J Billy Joe Shaver. <laughs> I, I heard about that. He really did make that yes, song. Yes, he did. Uh, well, you uh, will if you don't that's know right. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously, we, we, we need the move of God. That's right. Put, oh, that's put, funny. Put it in the Sorry comments. about that. But That'll not be my story. No, we, not we, mine either. We, we will not be the cold. We'll uh, not be the ones that fall away. <laughs> we'll not be the apostate church. <laughs> we'll be the on fire ones. And that's what we've been declaring. We'll be the on fire ones. We'll uh, be the remnant in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. And so we're excited about what God's doing and we're going to be a part of it. Um, I like what Brother Sumrall said um, and how he operated. He said, Lord, however you're moving on the earth, let me be a part of every revival. He said, whatever you're doing. And he told me, he said, and I never missed one move in all my life. Right. I was in all of them. That's amazing because that's part of the voice of healing, Toronto blessing, everything. Even before the voice of healing, he was a part of the Pentecostal wave out of Azusa Street, traveled to England with Howard Carter around the world. Yep. Then after World War II, voice of healing, latter rain. 
uh, word of faith. He, yep. he was in all of them. Powerful. Yeah. And that's how, I, that's how we want to be. Everyone that's watching, we want to be, whatever God's doing, we want to be a part of it. We don't want to miss anything that the Holy Ghost is doing. Here's what I want to do to bless you. Every person, if you sow to seed today and you'd like to uh, receive this, we want to give you this book by Brother Kenneth Hagin, Understanding the Anointing. Well, that's powerful one of my book. favorite books. Yeah. yeah, that's a powerful book. And uh, if you sowed this month, uh, even today, $85 or more, we're going to send it to you. All you need to do is go to miracleword.com forward slash offer. Fill out that form so we know where to send the book. And uh, we're going to get this to you for the month of February. Powerful book by Brother Hagin. It'll open your eyes to understand the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we're going to get it to you. For people that are sowing $1,000 or more, we're going to send you this as well. One of my favorite new study tools, the Life Application Study Bible, Genuine Leather in the New Living Translation. This will bless you and help you in your uh, devotion time. <laughs> oh. And uh, yeah. It also helps your It feels your like $1,000. <laughs> It'll build one bicep. If you carry that around preaching in one arm, you'll have one arm bigger than the other, just like the Dakes Bible. We love you. Thanks for hanging with us today. Be back again tomorrow morning, 10.30 a.m. You gonna come back tomorrow? I'll be here tomorrow. Coming back tomorrow. Don't miss it. In fact, I'll just stay here all through the yeah, night. Let's I'll get be here caught. We'll get some sandwiches. <laughs> we love you guys. Thanks for hanging. We'll have a great day. See you again tomorrow morning, 10.30 a.m. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.